Stand by for action. Podcast 16A, Studio Outtakes. I think a lot of it is, is how children look at and perceive the animals that are slaughtered for food. In other words, I think that, say a child, you were talking to a child about a cat or a dog, and then you, you spoke about that animal being killed, most of those children would be upset. You wouldn't have to go into any detail about how that animal was killed, but the mere fact that that creature was killed would upset most children because of their feelings for those animals or that type of animal. And what you've got to do is try to get them to feel the same way for chickens and pigs and cows, as they do for dogs and cats. And then telling them, that, you know, presenting them the mere fact that those animals are killed will make them just as upset about that as they would be up, be as upset about a, a, a dog or a cat being killed. And I don't think you need to kind of go into any particular detail about it to, to get that feeling from them. And I think it's just trying to get them to make that make that connection Really? I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, actually, Ronnie, in the sense that if you think that, you know, one of the distinctions we make between kind of welfare and rights is that we think that, you know, welfare is all about treatment and rights is about use. Well, in some senses, pets are just used in a, in a different kind of way. Yes. Uh, and so consequently, there's kind of rituals involved with, you know, when, when a pet dies, then there's a kind of ritual of, of like a funeral and... Uh, mourning and this kind of things and so consequently there is a a psychological disconnect I think between pets and the other types of non-humans that we use in other ways and although you know I mean obviously Francione talks about you know moral schizophrenia and so he starts off with that kind of idea as you just said you talk about well you know we, we have this opinion about this type of non-human and then we have this other opinion about others but you know you can also see that as rationalized in the sense well well yeah because that's how we use that type and we don't use that type in this way which is you know the way that we use them is is completely different and so our, our kind of mental attitude towards them is different and so you you have a connect with the companion animal and the pets which is not present with the others which are you know anonymous you know massive scale you know units of, of use Whereas we do name the ones that we use as pets, and so we can we can see it in in that kind of sense. So I can think on a psychological level, it, you know, we might even have a problem there in the sense see, of making that connection. I, I can't see it any other way of doing it really than on kind of level of of the emotions, because we want everyone to care about, you know. Well, no, but we don't. We don't want. We don't everyone think of pigs as we pets, do we? we? So it's, it's it's not it's not the same thing, is it really? It's not think it's it's not in it's not about the children thinking of pigs as pets. It's about them having the same feelings of care and fondness towards them. 
that they would have towards a, a dog or a cat. Well, I it's would like to give. Yeah, but the point is that the animal rights thing is not about fondness; it's about respect. That's that's the difference, isn't it? Well, also, uh, I don't think we are. I don't think we treat our domestic pets, um, if if you want to use the term pets. I don't think we're doing right by them. So I certainly wouldn't want kids to no, use that as an example. No, I agree. I think there's a. I think there's a major problem a with this myth. idea that if we can it only is, get people to think think more widely about. You know, in the way that they think about their pets, if you can think about other non-humans in the same way, then everything's, you know, fine and dandy. I think there's a problem there, like like Barbara says. It's not about them thinking totally of them in the same way. It's it's the question of the kind of fondness they feel for those creatures, the fact that they recognise those animals as individuals. Exactly. You know, they'll think they'll think of those animals as individual creatures, a dog or a cat as an individual creature. You know, not all. All dogs the same, not all cats the same. They're all individuals. That, that, yeah, that... but I can see that, Ronnie. It's one one thing to think of them as individuals. That that does fit in with the animal rights idea. But this idea of fondness is not necessarily a criteria that that we need to develop. In the, in the same sense, if you think about you know slavery and if you think about starvation, we don't we don't have to be fond of the people who are starving. We just have to respect them as you know, other beings. Yeah, but we're talking uh, about you're talking about children here, Roger. You're talking about children. You can what, use that what about to people that are able to kind of think in that way, to think in in a kind of a more detached way, to think. But you're talking about little kids, you know, and, and little kids operate much more a, a, on an emotional level. So in order to get that message across, I think you know you have to talk more from an emotional point of view and to you know to show them that well really you know these these animals that you love and that you, you care about you know these other creatures are, are really kind of just the same they're, they're just as lovely they're, they're they're all individuals in just the same way so therefore you know why why are those animals slaughtered and you know there are some people that that don't think they should be slaughtered there's some people that are vegetarian some people that are vegans that are able to live their lives without those 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 creatures being killed for them to eat and that then plants the seed in i i understand the point and I, you know i mean i i'm sure i'm sure i've done that as well in terms of kind of practice i mean i i understand the point and i can understand the kind of tactics within that if you like at the same time it kind of like just plays with the dominant paradigm rather than kind of trying to change it and i do obviously appreciate that we're talking about young children as well but again we we do have that issue of the fact that we are talking about young children and so we're talking about what's appropriate to tell young children at whatever stage of their lives when are we in barbara's kind of sense when are we kind of willing to let them in to the truth, you know, and in what sense and in what way and, you know, to what level are, are we well, able to do that? It, you know, it just seems to me to be quite difficult on multiple levels, this this issue, really. I think what Ronnie was trying to say was that it's very important to teach younger children to regard other animals as individuals. I think that that's the most, probably the most important thing we could do. However we do that, I, I, I don't know, but I think just pointing out that, that they are individuals with their own lives to lead. They're not here to service us. I think that that's, that's really important. And one of the primary disconnects, it seems to me, is ourselves, removing ourselves from the animal kingdom. That we like to see that, mm. uh, weren't you talking, Roger, about how your sister has, when she taught school, saw that the kids would react very strongly when she would suggest that they're... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she she was a chemistry teacher and she used to teach the uh, the difference between animal, vegetable and mineral. And she always used to use a human being as a, a pictorial kind of um, characterization of animal. And the class used to object to it 
as well. But again, going back to the Animal Education Trust, we we used to, I think our first question to the class as a kind of icebreaker, even before the kind of um, category game thing, which we, which we regard as an icebreaker as well, is we said, um, can you tell us how many animals there are in this room? It was quite interesting to see what, what went on there. What what tended to happen is is that kind of like you know several kind of pennies dropped at different at different times and so people you know the, the children would look around and and the the teachers would kind of play along and they would also look around and obviously in some classrooms you do have caged non-humans right and so consequently they would like be pointed towards them and going one two and then one or two of the children would would twig what we we're saying and they would then start counting each other. And then other children would start to see the the first children counting the human beings, and that these kind of kind of pennies kind of dropped, if you like, and and yet there were still then elements of you know the class who were then kind of going you know why 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 are you pointed to me mate kind of thing I'm not an animal right but but effectively we we started off by saying we are animals and consequently kind of get get them to recognise that right from the start and so. But it, it is it is a major problem, as as we know from things like forum sites and stuff. People resist the idea that they're they're animals. You know, we we don't self-identify as animals. We don't even self-identify as mammals, and we certainly don't self-identify as apes. You know, you you try and use any of those terms in relation to human beings, and they're insulted by them, aren't they? Yeah, it's because of the supremacist attitude of humans. Right. That's 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 why. But nevertheless, it's you know, it, it that that that's very good. I think that's that's a very good approach to, to you know. But to get, but to get out of that whole paternalistic kind of paradigm towards animals, I think it's important for us to try to get children to see that we are all animals, and we do have a lot of similarities, even if our exterior bodies don't look similar. In that we want to live, we want to be able to eat, we want you know, we want comfort, we want to get out of the sun. The disconnect is so huge. It's. I think it would be wonderful if we had some kind of central place where we could go online or something to share what has worked, what age level, so that we could gather all this information. Because I was um, in preparation for this discussion, I was looking around, and there's some good information out there, but it's a lot of work to like, gather it. And it would be great to have, um, like Ronnie was talking about, some, or or maybe it was you, Roger, about having some kind of organization specifically for kind of vegan value humane yeah well that, well that was ronnie but i think i well, think you're right in the sense that you know you, it's not as though you could go on to animal aid's website and and they're the ones in in terms of europe who've probably done more school talks than anybody else mm-hmm. uh, and yet they do, they don't kind of tell us what works and what doesn't work no. I, I think i was talking about something i think i think there's kind of two different things here i, I, th- I think it'd be good to have a central site or a central forum where everyone that's involved in educating children could come together and share and share ideas and say what worked and what didn't work. So that that would be very handy. I think we, what, what I what, what what I was talking about was something a little bit different, which was a kind of tactical setting up a tactical organisation that looked fluffy to, to to enable people to actually get into schools in the first place, which was rather rather a different thing. Right. Uh, but I certainly think, like, there seems to be no central kind of site or forum for everyone in the world who's involved in educating children to come to, to come together. Well, one um, of the problems I think that existing welfareist type organizations have always been able to get their foot in the door. 
because they fit in with the existing paradigm. I think what I would hope we would see is something moving away from that because otherwise the children aren't going to be challenged. Those organizations ask for kindness and that same kind of paternalistic attitude, but not actual respect for individual animals. And you can't be commodifying animals and respecting them simultaneously. So to kind of open kids up to the possibility of treating animals with with respect and value for their individual lives seems to be the task that we, you know, that we're trying to suggest. It's, it's just a question of how you, how you kind of make that breakthrough. How, how you present yourselves in order to get into in order to get into schools so kind of tragic kind of reality isn't it Ronnie <laughs> where you know we, we've got to be kind of tactical about telling people yes. the truth yeah. you know, but then you have of, to be in, 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 a weird thing to think about in a way isn't it that's it but in any war you, you know to me it's the whole thing the whole of this is, is is I think of it as a war really not not that you're gonna necessarily go around killing people but in terms of your employing tactics and strategy and you kind of you're working out a battle plan of how you can kind of do stuff. Tactics is a very important part of it. How do we get in there? If you don't get in there, you can't you, you, you can't put your message across. So I wonder what we could realistically expect from education at this point in our societies with children. From my point of view, I became a vegetarian when I was 19 and I became a vegan at 21. But I think if I'd known about the whole thing of, of animals being killed for food and why that wasn't necessary, I'd probably become vegetarian and, and, and then vegan at an earlier age. And I think, you know, there are a lot of other children that are going to be, you know, not, not all of them are going to, the message isn't going to stay with a lot of the children. But I think with some of them it will. And, and when they get old enough to kind of be able to say what they want to do, that there are quite a number that will become vegan, but they won't if they don't know, you know, if they don't know what's going on. So just kind of introduce them to the idea that there are people that don't go to circuses or zoos and don't use animals in any way. And that should be a message we can get in by talking about the difference between an omnivore, a vegetarian or a vegan and ethical, and just kind of introduce them to kind of that there are other people who have a different viewpoint. Yes, yes. Introduce them to the freaks. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the, the interesting thing about it, I mean, quite seriously here, is that, um, I mean, if you remember Bob and Jenna Torres, they call their radio show Vegan Freaks, right? And because sociologically, of course, we are freaks in society. Uh, and so we are talking about why don't, why don't these people let the freaks in to tell them their story? And on one level, that's what also what we're dealing with because you know you know why the hell should they you know we don't we don't present first of all as as freaks i don't think i think the way to get no no the- i'm not i'm not saying that we will present ourselves as freaks although of course that's the the label that they took on willingly but yeah. we are you know sociologically we are freaks right i mean Without, vegans are freaks in society outliers well i just think misfits I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really feel that, you know, to be quite honest. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> no. Sociologically, we are we are freaks. We are a, a very but, small sorry. part of society that don't sh- share any of the kind of dominant values of society in terms of what I would call human non-human relations. Our, our view of our relations with other animals is completely off the wall compared with normal values. And so, yes, you know, we are we are we have to. You know, we have to accept this sociologically. We are freaky then, compared with the mainstream, the orthodox, yeah. e- even mainstream animal welfare, like the RSPCA. We're still freaky. 
yeah, it freak, freaky in the sense of un, unusual or being a minority. Yeah, I'm just using that word, but you, yeah. you're getting the point. Yeah. That I'm, yeah. yeah. I kind of we, know. we know we're the normal ones, Ronnie. We know it's the rest of the world that's crazy. Oh, oh, we're absolutely. the normal ones. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> then what we need to do is we have to kind of try to present ourselves as kind of as as normal as we possibly can. In other words, that, you know, I'm kind of, I'm a vegan, but really I'm not that much different to you. I kind of like to see a game of football. I can have a Christmas dinner that's very similar to yours, except there's just, you know, my, the thing I eat that tastes like turkey isn't actually made from turkey. You know, that kind of thing that you, you people are very frightened to change. So we have to kind of appear to be as normal as possible to people so that they feel that they don't have to change that much to be vegan. If pe- if you went into the school and they got to know you, Ronnie, and you as engaging as you are, that that would be a positive experience for the kids. And that helps cut down those prejudices about categories like vegan, I think, just by the fact that they have a positive, um, pleasant interchange with you. So to me, just getting in and letting them see that there are these other group of people that are they're not maybe as familiar with, it helps it become more normal for them. I'll never forget when I first um, when I first became vegan. I don't know whether I mentioned this in the earlier podcast. That I did. There were very few vegans around, and, and and when a new person became vegan and contacted the vegan site, it was like they got the champagne out because there was a new vegan. Another person has become vegan. Isn't this wonderful? You know, let's celebrate because it was it was so rare. Veganism was so rare in those days. I got invited to a garden party that was being held at the home of one of the main people in the, the vegan society at the time. So I went down to somewhere in the, the London area. I remember catching catching a train down there to this garden party and I was really looking forward to it. I thought this is brilliant because I'll be able to meet some other vegans and, you know, how marvellous. And it was really lucky that I, I, I was so firm in my vegan beliefs because otherwise I'd, I'd have gone straight from the garden party to the nearest burger bar because the, most of the people there were really really weird not that they were weird for being vegan but they were weird because of other things that they did because the, uh, there was, there's one guy there this this was in 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 summer on on quite a warm day there was one guy there wearing seven overcoats he had seven overcoats on and I said, well, you know, why are you wearing seven overcoats? You know, aren't you boiling hot? And he said, ah, it's very important to, you know, to wear these overcoats because I'm keeping the, the, the kind of bodily energy in. It's something to do with the aura around my body. These coats help to preserve it. And, and you know, that's good for me. And there it was riddles a, me, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> there was another guy hanging upside down from a beam. And I said to him, you know, why are you... <laughs> As you do, <laughs> and he said, oh, he said people should hang upside down from a beam for at least two hours every day, so that the blood, there's more blood, then flows around the brain, and it helps to keep the brain working properly. And so you kind of didn't just have people that were vegan, but the veganism was associated with all these other kind of really weird views, and that was what I found kind of hard to <laughs> to cope with. It wasn't the veganism; it was these other kind of you know weirdnesses because these people weren't normal to me it wasn't abnormal to be to, to actually be vegan i was just expecting that to, there to be ordinary people like me but they just had to be vegan whereas those people weren't they were kind of like they were like really weird 
<laughs> and thankfully, you know, I was kind of strong enough in my vegan views to think, well, I'll, I, I feel disappointed that those people are like that, but I'll just carry on being vegan. And eventually, you know, as more and more people became vegan, those people were, were a lot more normal and a lot more like me. And I think that's, you know, it is important that we kind of don't appear weird in, in other ways, as well as being vegan. You know, we need to be kind of really normal people that are kind of, um, that happen to be vegan, I think. And, and that way people will find it easier to, to go vegan themselves. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, <laughs> what that's got to do with educating children, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I suppose if, if, if we kind of go in there and we, we, we're just kind of regular regular guys so to speak and we just appear to be like nice cheerful people you know that, that and not a stranger to all that that def that would definitely help but i don't know whether i i don't know whether i'd be allowed in a school would i with my record <laughs> it, it, it would depend it would depend on the school i suppose it would yeah yeah but um it's not, as I say, it's not something I've ever done school talks, but uh, but that doesn't mean I don't realise how important that that type of education is, because obviously it's you know it it, it it is vital to get to get that idea into into the heads of children as you know as early as possible. Yeah, I agree with that too. Missed anything? Oh no, it's all right. It just just was me. Just miss, 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 miss you ranting and raving, run. So that's nothing new, is it? <laughs> weird vegans that i've known <laughs> actually though you know this thing about being conventional i mean that's yeah. a kind of bruce friedrich thing you know about being very kind of conventional it's a very kind of north american thing i think i recently received the mark um, hawthorne book and he was making that point i tell you that book is absolutely appalling striking roots it's absolutely bloody horrible oh. It's just like an extended advert for HSUS and Peter. I mean, it's absolutely disgraceful. Somebody recommended him recently for a chat or a podcast. Yeah, it's 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 friggin' horrible. Who's I mean, the author? Mark Hawthorne. And it's called Striking at the Roots, which I I bought recently. It's like an activist handbook thing. I mean, there's not there's nothing original in it. I mean, it's you know it's just common sense really. But you know, it's just really really crap. You know, it's just like. A handbook of new welfareism is absolutely appalling. Anyway, I, I don't, I don't know him. He's, I'm just, he's one of my friends, but I, I don't actually know him. I don't think I've ever spoken to well, him. Well, you just have to Google "striking at the roots." That's his book. Yeah. It's like a handbook thing, and of course, it's uh, got an endorsement by just about everybody, you know, like Ingrid and you know all the careerists have endorsed it. You know. people. Yeah. Yeah, and and it basically it says, you know, well, if you're going to be a, a decent animal rights person, then means that you've got to get get yourself a leaflet from peter get yourself your leaflet from from vegan outreach mm -hmm. and then give them out you know and that's effectively what it says really you know it's just pathetic i mean mm -hmm. it didn't didn't kind of go into anything that you know like barbara was saying on the recent po podcast about it's very difficult to to find a, a decent leaflet yes uh, you know, it didn't, oh, didn't go in, in any anything like that you just say oh these these leaflets are great you know and you know get you know give give these out you know and but then you've got a guy that wish they had called it vegetarian outreach instead of vegan outreach. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's that's a completely amazing.